Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Listen to what uh, C.H. Spurgeon says on wisdom. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a knowing fool, but to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, And today, Philip DeCourcy dives into Proverbs, the Bible's book of wisdom, to teach us some time-tested truths on how to live successfully. It's a message titled, You've Got to Get It, Part 2. And then later in the broadcast, we'll tell you about a great resource full of biblical wisdom on how to take a stand when God and government collide. You can learn more at our website, ktt.org. But right now, Let's join Pastor Philip for today's lesson. In a commentary entitled, They Give Us Some Bad Advice, Paul Harvey reminds us of what knowledge without wisdom can do to a generation. Listen to these insightful words. They told us if we would relax about sex, take our clothes off, and not get all uptight about it, that there would be no sex crimes. So we let it all hang out. And the incidence of rape has increased 12% in one year. They told us we had been too tough on criminals that we should go easy on them, so we went easy on them. The rate of violent crime has increased 40% since 1983. They told us to be more generous with poor folks, so we were. Now the Consensus Bureau says that there are more poor than ever. They said that churches were old-fashioned, that they must modernize, liberalize, rationalize, compromise. And those that compromise most are shrinking fastest. If it appears up to here that they have given us awfully bad advice, they have. They insisted that our schools boot God out of the classroom and rely on enhancing juniors' intelligence. So we graduated a generation of juniors with refined intelligence, but undisciplined emotions. So school-age suicides have increased. They told us alcoholism and drug addiction were sicknesses, not crimes. Now we are gagging, choking, strangling on forbidden fruit. They said informal marriage was enough. So now the odds are, five to four, your rapture will be ruptured. And two and seven, that the next baby will be born illegitimate. Who are they who have been thus misleading us? They are the materialists who deify the finite sciences. They meant well, but their intentions are paving the road to hell. Now, Paul Harvey, you've quit commenting and gone to preaching. I don't mean to, he says, but I can't separate goodness and badness from today's news and explain it. Every ugly headline in today's newspaper and yesterday's and tomorrow's is because somebody's emotions got out of whack. 
He might be as smart as all get out, but if he's emotionally colorblinded, he is an unguided missile destined inevitably to self-destruct. Spaceship Earth came with a book of instructions. Let's see what it says. It says we should not be slothful in business. In fact, it says he who does not work, let him not eat. It says women should wear modest apparel. It says don't steal anything, anything. It says don't get drunk. It says you sleep only with your own wife. It says you don't do what you want to do. You do what you ought to do. And for those whose consciences are anesthetized, it specifies which is which. In other words, he says, if that rule book were not divinely inspired, it would still be the best blueprint for an orderly existence. If it did not promise life hereafter, it would still contain the best formula for a good life here. I think Paul Harvey's on to something here. Our generation, the most knowledgeable of all generations, the most technologically advanced generation that has ever occupied the floor space of planet Earth is suffering from bad advice. Our families are disintegrating. Our young people see no purpose to life and are committing suicide. Our best universities are producing a crop of moral failures who can lead businesses but can't lead their children. The humanist, the secularist, and the atheist has given this generation some very bad advice. And folks, I want to bring you, considering the humanist outlook on life. I want to bring you to the corrective lens of God's word. And I want us to see life from God's perspective. How life is meant to be lived and how life is meant to be employed and enjoyed. And that brings us to the book of Proverbs because here is a book that is completely given over to helping us live skillfully. Here is a book whose teaching is intended to inform us and transform us in terms of the way we live. One writer says of the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs tells us how to wise up and live. It discusses everything from training a child to ruling a nation, from eating too much to talking too much, from how to succeed in life to how to live for God. I hope you don't believe the Bible's impractical or irrelevant. Again, you've been given some very bad advice. And so I want to lead you as the teacher in this church to uh, consider the content and the intent of the book of Proverbs. And we'll see that it presents to us some very good formulas for life. It will help us to unlock the meaning of life and the best means to living it. And it seems to me nothing is more pressing and nothing more relevant to us than that reality. I think each one of us want to live skillfully and we want to live successfully. And the book of Proverbs will help us do just that. And this is a book that belongs to a section of the Bible called the Wisdom Writings. We've got the law, we've got the prophets, we've got the historical books of Kings and Chronicles. But there is a section of the Bible called the Wisdom Writings. That will include Job, 
and Psalms and Proverbs and Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. And these books were particularly written to enhance our understanding of life down in the nitty gritty issues of the daily grind of human experience. They get into the fine print of life, raising children, loving your wife, making ends meet financially, developing good and satisfying relationships, guarding your integrity, watching your sexual purity, how to deal with critics and how to answer someone that speaks to you with spite. That's how real and relevant the book of Proverbs is. And it is God's down-to-earth wisdom on life. And you need to sell everything and buy its truth. Now, we started to look at the concept of wisdom under three general headings, the supremacy of wisdom, the skill of wisdom, and the sources of wisdom. We looked at the supremacy of wisdom last week. That takes us to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding. Verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. I don't know what the next most important thing is in your shopping list, but I'll tell you what the Bible tells you it should be, wisdom. You've got to buy the truth of this book at all costs because your very life and, and the living of it depends upon it. Wisdom is going to inform you and transform you to be more successful, not in a worldly sense, but in a biblical sense. To help you live a balanced life, to enjoy well-rounded relationships, to make a success as best as you can of your family. To live with purpose and integrity. That's what the book of Proverbs is all about and the wisdom that it gives. And therefore, it is of primary and principal importance. Remember we saw that it was likened to silver and gold? We need to get on, on board with this treasure hunt for insight and instruction on life because we're very susceptible to some very bad advice and our country is suffering under the weight of such advice from multiplied experts, so-called. We saw that we needed wisdom because of the complexity of life, because of the urgency of time, because of the depravity of man. Well, that takes us now to the second thought, and this is where we're really picking up where we left off. We not only looked at the supremacy of wisdom, we now come to look at what I call the skill of wisdom. You and I need to be very careful here. Wisdom is different from knowledge. So you think you and I make the mistake of thinking that someone is wise if their head is stuffed with facts and figures. School teachers are wise. Business managers are wise. University professors are wise. The Bible breaks with our culture here and argues that you, you can have knowledge without wisdom. Wisdom is something beyond knowledge. It is not beneath it, but it is beyond it. It includes it, but it is not defined by it alone. Wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom um, involves the heart as well as the head. You see, knowledge can be nothing more than learned stupidity, 
See, from a biblical point of view, you could spend semester after semester understanding Darwin's theory, and you may become proficient in understanding the philosophy of evolution, but the Bible said you have simply learned stupidity because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And there is a difference between instruction and wisdom. Wisdom's much more than knowledge. It's If knowledge is the acquisition of facts, wisdom is the proper and proportionate application of those facts. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. And that doesn't come with a high school diploma or a college degree. Let me say that again. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. It is also knowing what is right and what is wrong so that what you know is worth acting upon. That's how critical wisdom is. It is the right use of knowledge for good ends. Wisdom involves a marriage of knowing and doing. It is the junction, says one writer, of the good and the true. I like that. It's the junction of the good and the true. Listen to what uh, C.H. Spurgeon says on wisdom. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a knowing fool, but to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And by the way, when we speak of knowledge, we're talking about a biblically informed view of life. We're talking about a Christian and theological worldview that gives us a proper perspective in life. And when we've got that proper perspective, godly insight and godly wisdom will help us to apply it proportionately and wisely. What a gift then wisdom is. It is a skill for living. It is doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. You can't put a price on that, can you? Man, if you've got that without a college degree, you just stay the way you are. Don't let the professors at UT mess you up. Wisdom is not below knowledge, but it is beyond knowledge. Wisdom means being skillful and successful in one's relationships and responsibilities. It involves observing and following the Creator's principles and order in the moral universe. Let me put it this way. Wisdom is the skill of cooperating with God's moral order and providential government within this world. Now, you and I know that God is the antecedent of everything. God is the author of all things, that God has set his, his, his world up in a certain way, and it is not a moral vacuum. Certain actions cause certain reactions. Certain causes cause certain effects. And the Bible tells us that God's eyes go to and fro throughout the earth, beholding the good and the evil. And God manages his world morally, according to his law. And if you and I don't want to bump up against the judgment of God, if we don't want to have a head-on collision with the Almighty, then you and I need wisdom to live within the boundaries of His law, to understand God's perspective on life, why He created us, why He put us here. What is the end of our existence? Well, the Westminster Confession got it right, didn't they? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And therefore, wise men understand that life must be lived in accordance with God's ways and God's word. That wise people court lady wisdom. 
Because wisdom teaches us how to live in a right way, adding length to our days and depth to our lives. Listen to Proverbs 3, verse um, 16. This is what wisdom will do for you. It will bring length of days. It will bring riches and honor. Speaking of wisdom, verse 17 of Proverbs 3 says, Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. You see, there is a right way to live that adds length to our days and depth to our lives, and there is a wrong way to live that shortens our days and spoils our lives. It's called folly in the Bible or disobedience. Proverbs 10, verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. There's a right way to live. There's a wrong way to live. There's a right path, a wrong path. And when you find yourself at the crossroads of choice, wisdom will be there to point you down the right path. And in the following the right path, you avoid the judgment and displeasure of God, which is a wise way to live. That's why wisdom is so important. It is a skill that enables us to live rightly with God and with each other according to God's purposes. In fact, let me reinforce that to you because go back to chapter 1 and verse 2. Here's the purpose of the book. This is the preface of the book. Solomon's telling us where we're going here. The purpose of all these proverbs and all these general insights into life are given to us in order to help us to know wisdom and instruction and understanding. I want to unpack those three words so that you and I might understand what wisdom is. Let's just circle the first word there, wisdom. It's the Hebrew word chokmah. It appears um, some 38 times in the book of Proverbs, and it's found in different places in the Old Testament. And the basic idea behind it is skill, ability to order one's life correctly, to act appropriately. Let me show you this in a very interesting way. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 31. When we go back to Exodus chapter 31, we find ourselves in the context where God is instructing Moses concerning how his tabernacle is to be built. This was this tent, this uh, portable place of worship that, fought, that was pulled down and put up as the people of Israel traveled. And in Exodus 31, God is um, instructing how this place is to be built to certain specifications. And we read in verse 3 of chapter 31 that God was going to give certain men skill to build this tabernacle to his specifications. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Here's what God says in verse 6 concerning this man who will do this and others who will join him in the doing of it. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. That's our word there in verse 6, wisdom, chokmah. And see how it's attached to this idea of giftedness, the ability to do what needs to be done and get it done. That's wisdom, folks. 
It's the ability to live life skillfully. It's to do what you know God would want you to do and to do it well. See, it involves the heart. It's an ability and an agility to adjust to life and to act appropriately. No school gets you ready for that unless it's a Christian school. The Word of God counsels us on how to act appropriately and skillfully. Proverbs then signifies that wisdom is a skill for living, an ability to make wise choices, to live according to the moral standards of God so that our lives can produce lasting results. And there are two component parts to it. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter um, 1 and verse 2. This skill is learned. We are taught it. We are not born with it. We, we, we need to place ourselves under the instruction of wisdom. That's the point of verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction and to perceive the words of understanding. Wisdom here is informed by instruction and understanding. These uh, two words deserve special mention because they are repeated throughout the book of Proverbs. The first word, instruction, is uh, mosar in the Hebrew. It appears 30 times in the book of Proverbs. Now, it's actually badly translated here. It would be better translated discipline. Discipline. It's actually used in Proverbs 3, verse 11, of God's chastisement of his people. In Proverbs 3, verse 11, we read, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. The word there, chastening, is our word. It means to be brought under. And if you and I are going to be wise and live skillfully, we need to bring ourselves under, in this case, not the chastisement of God so much in a negative sense as His chastisement, His instruction, His, His directing of our lives. We need to allow God to correct our waywardness, challenge our folly, and develop our ability to act correctly. You're listening to Know the Truth and a message titled, You've Got to Get It, Part 2. It's from Philip DeCourcy's latest series titled, That Makes Good Sense, a study on the book of Proverbs. And if you tuned in late or would like to revisit this lesson, you'll always find them on our website at ktt.org and on the KTT app and podcast. Just search your favorite mobile app store or podcast platform for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. We heard it today. You and I need God's wisdom in our lives. The world is full of knowledge, but not the insight on how to apply that knowledge. And that's why each day at Know the Truth, we make it our mission to share messages like the one you heard today with listeners all over the radio and internet. And with the help of listeners like you, we're able to reach thousands of men and women on the wisdom of God's Word. So would you consider partnering with us today by giving a gift of any amount? You can give online by visiting ktt.org or simply call us at 888-644-8811. And when you give, you'll receive God versus Government by Nathan Busnitz and James Coates. This riveting book uses real-life examples and provides guidance and wisdom on how to respond when the state encroaches upon the church and provides biblical answers about remaining discerning and faithful to our Heavenly Father's commands even when society tells us to do otherwise. You'll definitely want to read it for yourself and share it with others. 
Just call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And if you'd prefer to write, address your envelope to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Well, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us tomorrow as Philip DeCourcy concludes the last part of today's message titled, You've Got to Get It, Part 2. That's Thursday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.